talk about Thrones. It is that time when we get together and we recount our rewatching, well, most of us, not me so much, of Game of Thrones. And we are talking this episode about Game of Thrones episodes 307, The Bear and the Maiden Fair, and episode 308, Second Sons. And I am Richard of someplace I can never remember where. And I am joined by Anthony, Sir Anthony. Sir Anthony of Winterfell. Of Winterfell. Yeah. And by Jenny. Uh, Sir Jenny of every GD state on the (laughs) East Coast in the last two weeks. And and we're glad that you could make it here. We've made some adjustments to our recordings so that we could be with you because we want to talk about this stuff with you. It's more fun that way. Mm. I appreciate that. And I will drive my rental car all the way up to Winterfell just to show how happy I am to be here because I've driven everywhere Fantastic. And I I think in terms of... This continent, that's probably somewhere up in Nova Scotia. So um, for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to try something different here. I, little OCD me, I've been, uh, want to go through these in a very chronological fashion in the past. And even though we're looking at these as episode pairs where the stories kind of go together nicely between episodes. And that happens again this time, I think. Um, I think this time instead, we'll talk about big overall things, big overall storylines that are happening, cut across the episodes. And then if there are other little things that we want to throw in there too, let's do that as well. So here's how I would summarize these two episodes. I'd say that in these two episodes, Jamie makes good on his debt to Brienne. Mm-hmm. Daenerys attempts to bolster her army with yet more slaves. Mm-hmm. Tyrion proves himself a somewhat drunken gentleman, mm-hmm. while Joffrey reinforces that he is, in fact, an asshole at what's likely the weirdest wedding ever. And Samwell slays a White Walker. Accurate on all counts. Good job. All right. Guys, this was a great episode. It was. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be... No. So let's dive into those big things primarily, right? Last time that we were talking about Jamie and Brienne, they were kind of captive and... Well, I should say she's captive because they were letting Jamie go. And so Jamie says farewell and and says, but I owe you a debt. And she says, no, you've paid your debt. Just go and and turn yourself in or whatever it is he's supposed to do. But in fact, as they're going away, as they're leaving, as he's being taken back to his family, he decides to turn back and save her. And it's a good thing. Mm. Well, he, he finds out that they ha- did, because he was asking what they were going to do with Brienne, you know, and, and basically the thing came down to, well, she's just entertainment now because she holds no monetary value and no value of substance for them. So basically we're just, they're, they're going to 
treat her like a, like, you know, a, a plaything. And he finds out that is not happy and says, well, we're going back. And they say, well, we can't do that. We've got orders. He said, well, I'm Jamie Lannister. We're going back. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back with or without you. And he goes and back. So, yeah. And so basically it's like Coliseum, but with a bear. A very small yes. Coliseum at that. Like there wasn't like a lot of room to run either. <laughs> and this is one of the things that I, I remember from the book because they talk about how small this this pen is, this little little area where they've got her with this huge bear. And it, it's described in the book as very small. It's shown on the TV show as very small. And, you, and once Jamie like jumps down there, you really get the sense of how small it is. I'm curious, like, does the book and the TV show, do they, do they align here? Like watching this, I was genuinely horrified watching mm. this scene. Yeah. Especially with George R. R. Martin's uh, uh, tenacity to kill people at random times. So, (laughs) Um, Mauled by bear. Yeah. It's, it's my memory of the book serves very well to the TV show. So this, this was a, a really cool scene. He basically pulls her out and they're like, no, you're not going anywhere. And he, again, kind of, Re- asserts himself and mm. kind of makes it clear to them that they don't really have any option but to let them go. Mm. And so they do begrudgingly and that's pretty much the last that we see of them in this story. Right. But I thought that was a really, I, I mean, from my perspective, this was kind of like the culmination of him turning that corner and showing that there was good in him, as I suspected last time we spoke. But this time he actually demonstrated that. Mm. Good job, Jamie. you using your Lannister privilege to good effect. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, do you think? It's actually his sister that's the evil one? No. Uh, Nobody's ever evil. They're just the hero in their own story. (laughs) (laughs) Title. (laughs) To be clear. No, but that's true. That's what actually makes a really good villain. They're not evil. They're not. They're just there. They believe that what they're doing is right and necessary. And if you actually look at Cersei... Uh, her whole arc is she believes she's doing what's right and necessary, including, you know, doing her brother. But uh, it, it's every character can be viewed through this lens in Game of Thrones. I can't think of a single one, even the Night King, you know, like or the Snow King or whatever his name is, is the Night King, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. We'll go with that. Sure. Um everybody believes they're the hero in their own story. And, and that is a, if you're ever writing anything, all you people out there, uh, just remember that that's always what makes the most con. Look at con from star Trek Two. con. He's the hero in his own story. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. (laughs) And how did we get to star Trek? But yeah, no, that makes sense. So uh, Richard, did you walk away from this particular bit of scenes with more or less of a light shined on or shown or however that's supposed to be 
on Jamie and Brienne? Like, did you see them better than you saw them going in, or w- did it take away, or did, was it just expected? I don't think this was expected. I I f- was under the impression that he was going to leave and go back and do it with some regret, but I didn't anticipate him kind of risking quite a lot, actually, and going back for her and freeing her. I've, I've, and, and to me, and this may be false hope, but that paints him in a different light for me now. Mm. Okay. Well, and that arc is closed for these two episodes at least. So. Yep, it is indeed. So let's move on to the next big one that I, I was <laughs> kind of fascinated and amused by, and that is uh, Daenerys' boss. Theon. So <laughs> I was lightly amused by Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> oh, oh, well, there's that we'll get too. To that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny thing that you were about to say Theon, like la la la. Um, no, no. Uh, da- Daenerys is really a little bit um, power, not power hungry, but uh, power mad power. She's like into her power. She thinks she can just do all this shit and... Uh, threaten all these people and get what she wants. And so far it's working. Yeah. So they come across this, this new, whatever city, uh, the, the, this new area where people live and there are a lot of slaves and this guy, I think his name is Rosdahl. Do I have that right? I think so. I believe he's their leader and he comes to see her and she demands that he let go of his slaves and that they join her cause and become part of her army. And he's like, yeah, yeah, um, that's probably not going to happen. And he has his three generals with him to kind of show his force. And there's this ruckus. As one of them tries to assert his power Mm. and his dominance over them to uh, show them that they, you know, they're really nobody and is very abusive toward the women and basically gets pushed off a little bit by one of the teenager dragons. Would you call them teenagers now? Yeah. Adolescents. They're hungry all the time. Yeah. Growing. (laughs) Very cranky, uh, although they're pretty obedient to their mother. So I don't know that I would call that an, a teenager. Yeah, maybe more adolescent. They're so, tween <clears throat> dragons. <laughs> they're tweens. <laughs> we need a word for that. So, uh, yeah, and and we think, okay, she's she's really risking things here. They leave. They're not happy. They, I think they threaten her, if I remember correctly, and... Then by the end of this whole thing, Dario, one of the generals, kills the other and pledges the second sons to Daenerys. Yep. Yeah. My only issue with this scene is that Daenerys Targaryen's episodes where she's dealing with other people, like, follow such a predictable pattern through the seasons. Like... People under like it's and it's the same pattern. People underestimate her. Uh, she makes a lot of dragony threats. Sometimes <laughs> she gets a little bit of a, a brief like humbling, 
And then she like burns people alive by dragon fire. And so it, it, it's just one of those things where like looking back on it now in season three, I, I, I am overburdened by how many more things exactly like this keep happening. Mm. And, and in, in some ways her character does not learn and grow until the arrival of many future characters. I'll just leave it at that. She doesn't really start to evolve as a leader. It's like she's stuck in this or the writers are stuck in this pattern of constant repetition and they it's like it's it's hard for me to remember like which is which this is really a lot of character building for for uh for daenerys in that she 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 almost overreaches and then gets struck back you know she she's this this shy little girl that gets married to this this warrior and then that's the down part then she's all of a sudden this khaleesi of this great uh khalasar and then that gets taken away. And then she goes to Karth and she gets a little bit of it back and then her dragons get taken away. And then she burns that place, you know, and, and takes takes it for all it's worth. So she gets to Yunkai and now it's, well, I've got to show my power again. So she shows her power and it's going to continue this pattern of, of gains, losses, gains, losses until there's some very major, like huge disruption to her family, to her life, to everything that she knows. She takes a stand, and that's when her—that's when she finally becomes Daenerys that we know now, um, as opposed to this this little girl. As opposed to the one that I know. Yeah, like you're yeah. you're you're watching a, a tween Daenerys. Like you're, she's literally like fifteen. She's growing right now up with whatever. her dragon, and and yeah. that's not really that inaccurate, right? I right. mean, she's young. She is, and and she. She gets these these little power trips, and she gets smacked down, and it's, it's this cycle. And, and you're going to see this; it's, it's kind of predictable at this point. And it's kind of like she hasn't been smacked down all the way, and until she does, she's not going to know her own uh, her, her own self. Like she still hasn't learned who she is yet. And this yeah. is all part of that process. And it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot of greatness in it. But once, like like you said, Jenny, once other characters start coming along, and they're less babysitter, and they're more Yes. guidance counselor yeah then then she really wakes up and becomes her own and that's who she she ends up being that is a really good metaphor hmm. the guidance the 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 babysitter to the guidance counselor right and, and so score from one for me just wait till point. she gets to college <laughs> <laughs> you never know who you're gonna meet up there in college. <laughs> Freshman fifteen comes on quick. Woo! Okay. All right. Well, uh, while we're talking about people being abusive, is this a good time to have a little bit of a tangent? You mentioned Theon. We should probably at least mention the scene where he's getting seduced. He, Out of nowhere. He's getting his comeuppance, that's for sure. By these three women who are suddenly naked, and the next thing you know, someone's threatening to cut off his manhood, and mm. you hear screaming. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. we have to make some assumptions. Safe assumptions. Mm. I still don't feel bad for him. I mean... I I I don't think I'm the person to have an opinion about this scene. 
<laughs> well, so so let all right. So that's a good point. So I think most men, when they when they see or have hints at a scene like this, kind of have a, a natural phys, physiological tightening and reaction to something like that. That didn't happen. I'm like, at the whole time, I'm wow. thinking he totally had it coming. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's hardcore, and I like it. Um, I don't know. Anthony? I, I thought it was really creative to have him, because first of all, his penis is part of his identity. Like, that's just part of Theon's identity. We've known that from the very beginning. Like, the second scene he was in, he was he was with the whores down in, in Mudtown or whatever. Um, he, he gets tricked by... Um, Osha, you because of his penis. Um, it, it's part of who he is, is, is his identity with his penis. And if you're trying to crush somebody, if you're trying to take away all that they are, you go for whatever they, they, whatever about themselves they identify with, and you take that away. And sometimes taking it away is literal taking it away. So, are you saying that pride goeth before the balls? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, again. everybody. <laughs> again, <laughs> title. Jenny, Jenny's coffee just woke up. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> I'm done here. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing. Again, I think how sad is that? That that's how he identifies. So yeah. I really still don't feel bad for him. Yeah. So, it you know, there you go. All right. Any more about Dion? Um, a quick note. This is this is um Ramsey who's just treating him like crap. How how smart is Ramsey right now? Because he's he's playing the game exactly the way he wants to play it. He's controlling everything and he's literally crushing this person. And as of right now, you still don't know why, because he hasn't revealed any of his motivations other than the fact that he he's he's a bit of a sadist. Yeah, and I didn't even really catch his name or understand who he is, because I just see this guy for no good reason who seems to be giving Theon what he deserves. But mm. interesting. Yeah. All right. His his name's Ramsey Bolton. It's mentioned very briefly. He's Lord Bolton's bastard who's down with Rob Stark. Rob Stark. There you go. King King nothing. King Rob. Yeah. King of have no people anymore. King. King of the boring plotline. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get to, won't we? <laughs> yep. We're gonna get to it real fast and move right past it. <laughs> Okay, so where would you like to go next, Richard? Disneyland. Can we talk about the weirdest about Disneyland? Yeah, mm, no, yeah, yeah. I, I no, always love to go kidding. to Disneyland. Let's talk about the weirdest wedding scene I have ever seen on <laughs> any movie, TV show, anything. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, first of all, strange weddings. I didn't even are a theme. realize that this was a wedding. Like you guys, that that's a foreshadowing laugh. 
That was my foreshadowing laugh. Yeah, there's there's a theme of weddings. The weirdest wedding. I mean, I, I I know about the red wedding, right? So, but but the this was just so strange. It didn't occur to me that it was a wedding. Mm. It's just people were talking about the wedding coming up. I'm like, oh, I didn't know they met in five minutes. And you have this scene where Tyrion tries to talk with Sansa and put her at ease a little bit, and and let her know that it, you know it's it's. It's not going to be all that bad. He's going to make sure that it's not all that bad. And then you have all of these people convening. And I'm like, oh, okay, people are getting together. Why are they getting together? Still, I'm not aware that this is the wedding. We have this awesome scene where Marjorie tries to play coy with Cersei, who then ends up threatening her. Right. Kind of like slapping her down, saying, oh, no, 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 girl, you don't get to play that game with me. Because I will win. And then you have Joffrey reminding us multiple times about what a dick he is. First, by removing the step stool that is there at the altar for Tyrion to be able to put the robe on Sansa during the ceremony. Then later, threatening Sansa... That once Tyrion passes out, he'll be in to have his way with her. I mean, and and Sansa, I, I don't even understand Sansa's reaction. Because Sansa did not seem to have the horrified reaction to that that I might have expected her to. Just the same dead look that she's had for the last two seasons. Hmm. That seems legit. I mean, when you're in shock, you're in shock. And at a certain point, after they cut off your father's head and they keep you prisoner and, and you you almost marry a sadist and then you don't marry a sadist, it's sort of like, well, whatever. Yeah. Things can't get worse, except, you know, they can. Yeah. She, Sansa is still at a point where she doesn't believe it's a game. She's just starting, like, she's, she can see the board and she can see the pieces she just doesn't understand that she's one of the pawns and she's not quite, she hasn't got the mindset of, okay, I need to play the game my way. I need to be the hero of my own story. She's still the damsel in someone else's story. Yeah. But again, as is revealed during these episodes, she's 14. Like it's explicitly stated. She's 14 years old going through all of this. She's not, she's not of her full faculties. Right, so she's not really even equipped to process stuff like this. Right, because she's led a cherished life up until until King's Landing. <laughs> you know, she's, yeah. she's knitted and she's helped cook and she's watched babes and she's you know she's been led this to be married. Yeah, she's been raised to 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 be a broodmare for whatever lord she marries. Like, okay. she's, well, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she probably thought she'd be married down to some lord in River Run or, or or maybe even Dorn or something like that. And here she's been engaged three times in as many weeks. And she has she's just she's completely spinning. She's given up her her two chances to leave that were given to her by Littlefinger. She passed both of those up. And now she's she she doesn't even know who she is anymore. Or or yet. Yeah. She she maybe yeah. she knew who she was, but she has no idea who she's becoming. So we have the ceremony, 
we have this awkward scene where Tyrion asks her to kneel so that he can put the cloak on her, put the robe on her. Mm-hmm. And then cut to the reception where Tyrion's already plastered out of his mind mm. and threatening the king, mm. which is not necessarily a good thing to do. And Tywin, as he's known to do, comes in and puts some clever words on the table to try and put Joffrey at ease and, and uh, pull Tyrion back a little bit. And ultimately, we end up in, let's call it the honeymoon suite, where Tyrion, as predicted, passes out, but kind of intentionally sets it so that he's sleeping somewhere, but not in the bed. And Sansa is in the bed alone, as we discover and the uh, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. Uh, is it Talisa? No, that's the wrong person. Um, <laughs> wrong person. Wrong lover. Um, Shay. Uh, Shay comes in and sees that there are no stains on the sheets. Hmm. Well, there's no stains so, on the sheets. They aren't together. He's still waking up in a completely different place than where she's at. I mean, she comes yep. bursting through the door too. She's like. She wants to know now. Right. <laughs> She's not trying right. to give him any time to cover up or hide or anything else. She just busts in and Tyrion is still like wiping drool off his chin from whatever position he's slipping on the, in the chair. Right. And, and again, all this did for me was reinforce that even drunk out of his mind, threatening, stupidly threatening the King Tyrion is still a good guy. Hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> J- Jenny's done with her insight. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait, uh, I I I, I want to sum up um, my feelings about most of the rest of this episode uh, right now. Don't care. Boring. Oh, Gendry. There you go. So I think we're at don't care, Richard. Would you like us to take us into don't care uh, to be followed by boring and then Gendry? Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny because where you say, oh, Gendry, I was like, I had two moments like that. I was like, oh, Gendry. And then I was like, oh, oh, Samwell, right. Mm. So we had these two kind of recurrences of people who we hadn't seen in a while or maybe hadn't cared about in a while. One of them, Gendry, who's being tricked by the Red Witch. The Red Witch lets him know that he's Robert Baratheon's bastard. And so, you know, he's special and tries to treat him well. But really, she just literally wants his blood. Mm. <laughs> Ties him to the bed, throws a bunch of leeches on him, and calls it a day. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> And as with all scenes with her, just weird, weird, weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole thing with her, Stannis, the, the whole thing is just weird. Um, man, I can't wait for that story to pay off either. 
I hope it does. I really hope it does. We have a scene with Stannis and Davros, the two of whom, for some reason, I still confuse. I <laughs> Davos is the one missing the fingers. <laughs> right. Like, like, okay. He can't read. Davos can't that, read and, has, and didn't have those fingers. That is a help. Probably that can't, is a help. Probably can't do math either. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next thing that, I, not so much that I didn't care about, but seemed like a little bit of a... Just a, a random side story, which is where Arya tries to run away from her captors the hound, and yeah. is caught by the hound. Yep. And has a moment where she she doesn't necessarily see him in a different light, but she's presented with information, the fact that he actually tried to help her sister mm-hmm. that that is counter to her, all of what she believes about the hound this will become exceptionally important yeah. early in the fourth season very early in the fourth season this will be a defining moment for arya and actually this is one of the things I do like. It's it's like a little early in in the part that I like about it, but this is promising territory. Yeah. This this is actually moving the overall story and Arya and the Hound story forward by leaps and bounds compared to what we're what we've been getting with them. We've been kind of in a holding pattern for a while. And this is moving them down a down a different path, a, a new path in a very exciting and very fun path. Okay, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, another side story was a revisit of Egret and John. And oh yeah, they're off the wall now somehow. So just, are we supposed to just believe that, well, they climbed up, that was the hard part. So climbing down, piece of cake. The wall's only guarded on one side. So once you get up the wall, you can just travel down the wall or uh, uh, along the wall until you reach one of the keeps. And then the keeps all have exits down. Oh. And most of the keeps are not manned. So as long as you stay uh, undetected until you get to one of those keeps that's unmanned, it's an easy exit. Because it's only, again, as, it's only guarded on one side. As someone who did not read the novels, you did not know that little bit of information would have been really helpful. <laughs> That's that's like thirty seconds of dialogue they they cut out for time. <laughs> it's it's just like the um the wire. You, you get it eventually. They they trust you to pick it up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is where uh Ygr- well John and Tormund have a little talk about uh, lady parts uh, about how to please a woman and then. John finds out that he had uh, has has or had a com- competitor for Egret's affections, and then Egret and John have a nice little conversation about um, what I put here. I put a uh, uh, death, uh, uh, windmills, death, and dresses, and uh, yeah, these are all new new concepts to to Egret, except for death. And death, she has a different idea about it than John does, and it, it makes a nice little conversation. It's a little growing moment for them because they don't exactly see eye to eye. Yeah, I also noted that conversation, and it it wasn't. I, I didn't necessarily know what to make of it, except that it it seemed like you know they had this kind of passionate conversation 
uh, I, I called it passionate words about their fates is what I wrote down, mm. uh, which I found kind of interesting that they have such different perspectives and I, I guess are trying to figure out like what next. Also, guy that liked Egret, isn't that like one of the dudes from Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, uh, the office in the UK? Isn't that the same dude? I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. I wouldn't doubt it. <sighs> Pretty sure it is. All right. The only other thing that I hit here that seemed like we should talk about was this final scene where we're reminded that Samwell and the girl whose name I can't remember are trying to escape with the baby and they try to take refuge from the cold in some ramshackle barn or something like that. But there are white walkers Hmm. and Sam decides to go and be a hero. And guess what? He is. Who yeah. knew? Yeah, the accidental, Sam. Yeah, accidental hero. Uh, Sam and Gilly. Gilly knows more about what's going on out up north than than Sam does. But Sam's he he's he, just like they they discovered when he was in you know at the wall. He's a caretaker. He's just he's not there to be a hero. He's not there to be anything more than what what is needed. He's there to to care for people. He's there to 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 make sure people are comfortable. That's just his personality. And part of that is protecting Gilly and this practically uh, uh, adopted stepson or whatever of his. You know, it's just like they're almost like this little family, and he's he's just taking that role as as family protector, even though he doesn't feel equipped for it, doesn't feel ready for it. It's just what comes natural to him. And was this? This seems to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but this seems to me to kind of be one of the I don't know one of the few moments where we kind of get to see the scary blue eye mode white walker up close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this is a full fledged white walker not one of the frost ghouls or whatever you want to call them <laughs> uh, whatever my dungeon master guide to to the, the walking dead extras yeah um, this is actually one of the one of the big guys and uh, we'll find out later that there's a limited number of those. Um, mm-hmm. although I don't know if we ever get an actual number. We just know that they're, they're special. They're, they're different than your average, Hey, this guy died and we turned him into a, a white walker or whatever. Um, so this is, this is actually a little bit more significant than how it presents itself. Um, and watching it the second time, I realized just how significant it was compared to, it was just a ghoul out there being smashed or whatever. So. And the dragon glass, the the obsidian, it it means something. It has value. It's it's important. This this word you keep saying, dragon glass. What is that? What does this mean? This is this is the obsidian that they found uh, at the fist of the first men when they were digging in the ground and just randomly found a stash of black rocks. Yes, that's what this is. That's what he uses. He uses a, an an obsidian dagger and destroys this White Walker. How? How were we supposed to catch all that? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is probably something that that is easier understood on the second or third watching. 
because there's the, like once you've seen this scene and then you go back and watch the episode where they found the dragon glass at the top of uh, the fist, the first man, then it clicks. Oh, that's what he found because now you know what it can do. And it, it kind of just all clicks together. Whereas the first so, time through, you probably didn't catch that. You've both read this. When you watched these scenes after reading it, did you, did it kind of occur to you? Well, how how did they get there all of a sudden? Like, sometimes when you watch a movie after you've read the book, the movie obviously left stuff out that, that you wonder, well, how would people know? Mm. This just seems like one of those moments where how would you know? I don't know. They, they entered Well, it? I clearly don't know. <laughs> the internet. Jenny's answer. They, the internet. The internet. Look, I mean, it's too bad they don't have the internet up north of the wall. No, but they do have books, and Sam reads books, and that becomes yeah. important. Yeah. He's he's a real bookworm. All right. Um, did we so mention that? Go ahead. No, I was hey, going to say that's... No. <laughs> what? Who? I was just thinking out loud, um, Anthony, that our two bookworms in this show have not met each other yet. Mm. Anyway, sorry. They Future tangent. Yeah. They have not. Well, that's kind of cool. I was just thinking so about there's... that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Good to know. Good to know. All right. So he's, he's, those wonder, are the he's main wondering who the that... other bookworm is. That's what he's doing right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Stop this podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. This. This. We should really just call this whole show the one to- where Richard or the 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 podcast where Richard tries to figure out what's going on. Richard knows nothing. Yeah. Pretty much. Richard's that's, right. that's also a quote from the show yeah. about which you know nothing, so it's Akameta. Oh, wow. Okay, well, those were the things that had caught my attention and that I thought were worth discussing. Did I miss anything that we should throw in there? There are a couple other scenes that I had here that just don't seem all that yeah. terribly important. Anthony, anything? Um, I don't know. I'm, I feel good. I, I think it's interesting how both of Danny's consorts are taken aback by Dreamy Mc, uh, McDreamy Pants. Dario Naharis. Yeah, when he shows the up. The first of several Dario Naharis <laughs> that will be in this show. By the way, he was not by any means the hottest of the generals. Just saying. Don't worry, they're going to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, but it, it was because up until now, they've both kind of seen each other as like, well, I'm the, really the one to lead her. Yeah, you watched her for a while, but now I'm here. and Or I've been watching her this whole time just because, you know, you show up, sell me that, you know, this isn't this isn't now your show. But then he, th- this Dario guy shows up and all of a sudden now he is the show. Like she he's all she's thinking about for at least the next however long. And wait, is this long haired Dario or current Dario? Yep. Are we long-haired. to current Dario? Long haired. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, dreamy McDreamy pants. Yeah, he's uh, he. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> really? Why? No, I don't see it. <laughs> oh yeah, so the, the, it kind of it checks both their egos. Is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. So. No, other than that, I, I think, mentioned I think to we, Lisa before. Did we know that she was Prager's? 
Who cares? <laughs> right. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Next. <laughs> it's only it's only going to matter for like this much time because like <laughs> for those not listening he had his fingers together really close <laughs> you're not supposed to give the audience extra spoilers <laughs> <laughs> why not you just spoiled me uh, richard I'm, you're so spoiled you are you're just just spoiled um, no, I think that I think that wraps it up pretty pretty quick. This is actually an easy pair of episodes. I, I think, I think honestly, especially for me and Jenny, these episodes are really easy to watch and kind of get into because it sets all the scenes up for next episode. And the next two episodes have it, it's back to the last two episodes of the season again. So they're going to jam you full of all the stuff they've been teasing all season long, and it's huge, huge. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I really enjoyed these two episodes. Like three and four, I thought four in particular because of the ending with Daenerys. Mm. I thought was just fantastic. Yeah. Five and six, I, I literally fell asleep in five twice. Mm. Like I had to rewatch twice. Meaning, I start I started three times to watch this to get through it all and then six which was eh but then seven and eight i at the end of seven i'm like i gotta watch eight right now yeah i just really enjoyed it we've had a lot of character development in these two episodes and then we're gonna get a lot of story development in the next two and things really really get topsy-turvy and start getting really involved in season four once we get into that, it has its moments of slowness, but there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of places, and it it's the the ride really begins. Like we're not we're not on the 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 downhill slope after uh, Ned's death or anything else. We are now in the thick of the ride where the the it's going to go back and forth, up and down, and kind of throws for a couple loops. We are really into the story at this point. As yep. soon as as soon as we get through this season, we start getting into big world stuff and big family stuff and really moving the, 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 the pieces forward on the board. It's great. Good, good. And I don't know, I, I don't know how many forward to it. I don't know how many more analogies I can pack into one, one little statement. I don't think we need any more analogies <laughs> unless you have some that you want to throw in Jenny. Nope. All right. <laughs> sorry, well then, why don't you Jenny tell people where they can, Hear more from you. If they want to hear more of your voice, then you scarcely provided in this episode. Uh, well, okay. So you won't hear my voice in it, but I do feel compelled to tell people that um, I have this really amazing podcast coming at launching August 7th that I've been producing for a long time since February. And it's called Under the Hood. And it is about um, women's health, motherhood, womanhood, sisterhood. All these things that really do not get talked about with the frankness that I would like. And it's hosted by this midwife and a doula who know a lot about lady parts. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. We're just going to treat these things like they're important. Um, so it's under the hood and you can find it on iTunes and you'll know it's it's not the car show under the hood. You'll definitely know by the cover art what the podcast is about. I mean, there's there's headlights. <laughs> there's definitely headlights. There's headlights. Yep. Beep, beep. <laughs> All right. JennyJ23 on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we re 
this is probably many weeks ago by the time that we put this out. But I, I love reading your stuff on Twitter and mm. with everything that's been going on with ID discussion and stuff like that, what you've been going through in your real life mm -hmm. these last couple of days has just been so prescient. And uh, I, if people aren't following you, they absolutely need to, because that's the way you approach Twitter. You kind of share what's going on in your life and, and how it relates to what's going on out there in the world. Yeah. And it, just to diverge for a second like, and not to get too caught up in it, but like sometimes you wonder, like when you tweet and you're like, is anybody listening to this? Is anybody seeing this? Am I just tweeting into the void? And like, I feel like it doesn't matter. I feel like you have to say the things because at this point, our generation is locked into a public, you know, those of us who chose Twitter and chose Facebook, we're, we're locked in. Everything's there. So you might as well leave a record of the things that matter to you, whatever they are. Um, and, yeah. So I just decided that one of the privileges of working on podcasts and not for news organizations is that I can say the things that I think are important. I like it. Do you say important things, Anthony? No. And if so, where would people find them? No, you can find all the unimportant stuff at Ethan Kane <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, it's, 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 it's not nearly... You can find a whole bunch of important things by Jenny that I've liked on my Twitter stream, because that'll show up. Uh, but yeah, that's it's all... It, my, mine, mine's complete nonsense. But uh, how about you, Richard? You got you got a mixed bag of your stuff. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of stuff. Um, you can catch a couple different voices from my head on Twitter at Richard Gunther, and then I have a couple podcasts. Go to iTunes; you'll find them there. And lately, I've taken to ranting into the abyss known as Medium. So hmm. you know, there's some stuff out there too. So yeah, I'm all over the place. So I think that is going to be a wrap for this episode, unless anybody has any final, final thoughts. Let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. Oh, yes. And those wouldn't be our thoughts. Those would be your thoughts, the listeners. Yes. Send them to us. Yes. I've already heard word on where we were wrong on something, and I've told that individual email us so I can actually read it out. And, well... Uh, he, he's a putz, so he's not going to email us. Oh, I know. Offending the audience already. All right. <laughs> that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us when we talk about Thrones next time. R-A-T-U-A-L-M-I-S-E-L-Y